Welcome to another episode of The Executive. We are here in New York at Times Square at the uh, Bio CEO and Investor Conference. I am so fortunate to be joined by uh, Mani Mohindru, CEO of Novacenta. Mani, so great to have you here. Well, thank you, Matt. Good to be here. It feels like I've seen you here before. <laughs> not too um, long ago. Not too long ago. We were, uh, we were doing another interview. So thanks again uh, for joining. Mani, you've uh, got a really unique background. But before we kind of go into your background and what led to Novacenta, we'd love to hear what Novacenta is, what you're working on, and what's the team focused on right now? Absolutely. So Novacenta is a private biotech that's based in Pittsburgh. And you would wonder why Pittsburgh. Right. You know, part of the reason is we came out of UPMC, University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, um, and we continue to have a very close relationship there, primarily because we are uh, working with tumor samples, human patient tumor samples, to uh, look for new targets that we can then come and uh, validate and make antibody-based therapeutics to. And also our uh, lead investor, lead and sole investor, is also from UPMC, UPMC Enterprises. So there has been a lot of great support uh, uh, in Pittsburgh to bring this company up there. What do we do, you know, and how are we different? You know, uh, we are a company that, are, that is looking to find new immuno-oncology-based uh, therapies by starting from human tumors uh, from the get-go. Uh, you know, a lot of the times you start with these targets that are published uh, that have been coming out of urine or mouse studies, but we really went back to the basics and, and started our search by looking at expression of genes uh, in immune cells that have gone in these cancers of various patients, and then um, that's where our journey began. We have uh, now been in business for around four years. And it's been a long time, you know, we spent time identifying new targets, validating new targets in very robust um, in vitro and in vivo assays. And now sitting here today, I can tell you we have two programs that we are making drug-like antibodies to. So we have uh, two programs in antibody-based uh, drug discovery, and hopefully we should uh, have one of our programs reaching clinical trials uh, sometime late next year. That's exciting. Yeah. And you obviously came in as a CEO, but you have a non-traditional path in biosciences. You started out as in banking. Uh, then you eventually became a CFO in your last role and now are in a CEO role. Can you talk about that non-traditional career path and what got you started in investment banking to start with? Absolutely. You know, I think Nova Center sort of closes the whole circle for me because I started as a scientist. I trained as an immunologist uh, studying immune cells, but from a different context, from the context of autoimmune diseases. And this yeah. is a company which brings, back, brings me back to my roots, but looking at uh, immune cells in the context of fighting uh, cancer. Uh, and in between, I've done a bunch of things which has only enriched my experience that I brought to this company. You know, I went from being a pure bench scientist to working on Wall Street, which uh, opened uh, my eyes to all the different uh, things that are out there in, from a pharma biotech perspective, all the different kinds of technologies that are being used uh, to come up with new and innovative therapies. Uh, over time, I sort of focused, even as a Wall Street uh, equity research analyst, my 
my um, area of expertise into oncology because that's where most of the innovation continues to happen because it's still a very high unmet need. And, um, you know, I loved every moment of being there, working hard um, and learning so many more um, things about companies from the outside and about different drugs and then transitioned over to uh, the operation side into public biotechs, a couple of different public biotechs. Uh, the first one, I was the chief strategy officer when I left and then took on another very unique role um, from my background perspective, chief uh, financial officer role. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm here at Nova Center. And each role has truly expanded um, you know, my vision about what a company could be and how I could build companies. So I think I bring back a lot of these experiences in Overcenter, uh, including my, you know, very deep scientific roots from way back when. Well, something that you said to me this morning that really stuck with me was in investment banking, you're so entrenched in the industry. You learn all the different facets of it, right? And that has really helped you in the rest of your career because you've got such a great um, I, MBA almost on a, on a specific industry. You know, people look at investment banking from a very different perspective, like the dark side or something, but I think that's where my most learning happened. You know, I got exposed to a number of therapeutic areas. I got exposed to a number of treatment modalities. Um, you know, I, we looked at companies very young uh, on one end of the spectrum at that time, human genome sciences, or a protein design labs or something to as sophisticated as Genentech when it was Genentech alone uh, or Biogens or Gilead's of the world. And it give, gave me a full um, view of what a company can grow into, you yeah. know, right from very innovative science to commercial entities and also helped me understand, which I think I've brought to this company as well, why are we doing this? To put a focus into everything. You know, you can, as scientists, we are very passionate about what we do and we can, you know, we start pursuing many different avenues that the complex biology presents in front of us. Uh, but if you're trying to bring drugs to patients, you have to have the discipline and focus to keep moving forward and not be distracted. Kill projects that don't make sense continue to move forward with projects that show promise in a very disciplined uh, and focused manner. How do you have that level of focus, right, where there's so many things that look like opportunities, but they can also be distractions? How do you as the CEO decide what is the focus, what's the opportunity, and push everything else to the side? So, you know, as I said in, in the morning as well, you know, all CEOs have to make uh, decisions based on incomplete information. You know, uh, what is the right decision and what kind of information you need to make that right decision? You know, there is no good answer. Uh, from a drug developer perspective, and especially a, a drug developer that's looking at many different scientific ideas all around us, it is very important for us to not lose focus as to where we're going. We cannot do every possible experiment or every experiment out there that's perfect that would give us, okay, if we cover, if we check 100 boxes only, then we can move forward. We don't have that kind of luxury or the money or the time or the people to do that. So you have to take certain decisions based on good scientific judgment and partly also, you know, uh, be a risk taker. You yeah. know, you have to own some of these risks and, and keep 
moving forward because you feel that there is a signal there and that this signal needs to be pursued in a focused and disciplined manner. Something else that's interesting about what you're doing now is you sit on a couple different boards. Yes. Why sit on other boards? You know, obviously you're on your, you're, you're on your own board as a CEO. Why sit on other boards when it, I'm sure, can take a decent amount of time? You know, why stay on those boards? You know, again, um, and I don't know about others, but I can tell you as you rise up the corporate ladder, it gets more and more lonely. You know, uh, there isn't everything that you can discuss with your peers in the company. You know, there's certainly, uh, but also, you know, you, you need to grow as a CEO. When you go to other boards, you interact with people who come from different experiences, different companies, you know, challenges we face, like, for example, in pandemic times, when is a good time to open up the company fully? You know, what kind of guidelines we need to put in place? What kind of jobs can be, uh, you know, remote versus need to be in the company full time? These are the kind of things you discuss when you sit amongst your peers elsewhere and they bring their experiences. You evolve as a CEO. You know, it's, it's a great learning experience to be surrounded by people way more smarter than you, sometimes with way more experience in company building, um, you know, failures and successes and everything in between that they've seen that you can learn from them. And this is, you know, what you take when you are part of boards, including the companies that you um, oversee as a board member. You know, they're, they're learning both ways. You, yeah. know, you bring your learnings to them and that company teaches you something that you take back with you to your own company. Right. And I see, yeah, you make a good point on the benefit to you as a board yes. member. As a board member, what, what makes a really good board member? You know, I, I think board members can have a variety of reputations, right? Some that don't do anything, some that are overly involved. What makes a great board member? You know, in my opinion, a board member is not a micromanager. You're not running a company. You're a non-executive person. You know, um, you try to be there and help guide the company and steer the ship in the right direction. Um, you provide oversight and experience. You know, um, I, I, like I sit on the audit committee for a couple of my boards because I have that financial experience, you know, so you pick and choose board members who have certain expertise. Um, you know, if, if there are contacts that you can offer um, on the clinical side or other side, you know, to help uh, the companies navigate some of these processes, uh, you know, better, you know, so, so there's yeah. a lot of, uh, things that you can provide to the company that you're on the board of in addition to having like an oversight role, uh, which is what people focus on. I'm sure that network that you can provide is very helpful to a lot of these companies. Yes. So you know, I mean, it's again, you know, it's a collective um, effort. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a well-rounded board would have people from very diverse background, hopefully not so overlapping backgrounds, so we can collectively provide um, support to the CEO and the management to, to run the companies um, in the most efficient uh, and productive manner. Talking about your CFO role in the past and coming from investment banking, how does how experience shape your being a CEO? What, what would you say have been the most valuable things that you took to now being a CEO? And what are some of the, maybe the big differences that you see? So, um, you know, there are a lot of uh, CEOs come in many different shapes and sizes. People are quite aware, you know, they're yeah. very highly scientific CEOs. They're very strategic CEOs. They're CEOs who are, you know, 
mergers and acquisitions or, or have sold companies right. in the past. CFO is a little bit more traditional role. You know, if you think of a CEO, it's, it's a numbers person and yeah. it's at the finances. I think from my perspective, when I took the CFO role, it was more of a strategic CFO. It was not just, you know, looking at numbers and controls and everything, you know, what you can do, you know, as you grow the company or pivot it in different directions. So I, I, I also got the luxury of, uh, you know, inserting myself, not just in the CFO role, but other roles in the company, you know, working with the clinical team as we were pivoting towards some of the other things, uh, working with uh, partnership teams, you know, group teams who were establishing partnerships or licensing deals. So there's a bunch of things you can do um, as a CFO. And that that's what I thought, like, you know, my experience as a CFO was a little bit on the non-traditional side, but something that now I, I really feel I was very privileged to have gone through that experience because as a CEO, I not only do some of the nitty-gritty operational things, but I am very uh, focused on how I run it from, uh, you know, finance perspective, on return on investment perspective, you know, how much to spend and how much not to spend and what it means in, in terms of taking the company forward. So every bit of experience has a huge, um, you know, learning that you bring with you to make you a better and better um, leader of a company. And I'm sure it's been interesting, you know, raising capital in early stage company, having come from the finance side, and there's only so much you can say about it for, for obvious reasons and SEC rules. But what are the things that you find investors are really looking for that you have to really show um, to get investment in this world that we're in? at an early stage life science company. It is interesting that you say the word um, or the words in the world that we're in. Yeah. You know, um, in biotech, um, it is very much dependent on how the macros are and what is it, what is in fashion and what's not, you know. Uh, around the time of early pandemic, there were companies that were getting funded that had very little clinical data. A lot of it was preclinical and hopes and ideas, but now, as you can see, you know, given where the macroeconomic conditions are, people are risk averse. They don't want to fund company. They want to see more and more data. Actually, they want to see more and more clinical proof of concept data. So it's not the same world uh, that we live in. You know, people's um, you know, time horizons have changed. You know, they are no longer going to look for a company that's going to take four, five, ten years to get to it. A critical inflection point yeah. or an exit in their in their minds. So I think things change. Um, hopefully, um, you know, as they say, change um, is is one thing that is not constant. You know, yeah. it's um, or whatever like change. There's a, there's a good phrase about yeah. it. I don't remember what it is called. Yes, change is the only constant. constant. Yes, right? change yeah. is the only constant. So you know, again, hopefully, what we are experiencing right now is. Um, will also change, you yeah. know, I mean, that's, that's what our industry thrives on. And um, yeah, people will be back to support earlier stage companies where the true innovative science happens and people take risks, yeah. you know, the employees take risks, um, the management teams take risks for opportunities uh, that nobody else wants to work on. How do you find the right employees who are the right employees for the company and that they're willing to take this risk on Novacenta, on you, the vision, everything you're building, knowing that it is a risk, right? Not everything's guaranteed to work. And they're 
you know, writing their, uh, you know, they're really taking a risk to do this. How do you find those people? You know, um, you know, again, uh, for a young company like us, it is very critical that every single person who walks into the company brings more than his or her 100% into the company. You know, we, we can't afford to have employees just for the sake of having. We don't have layers. We don't have redundancies built into it. So every single person is a very critical asset in the company. And um, for me, I think the biggest driver is passion. You know, uh, you have to be passionate about yeah. getting up in the morning, walking out your door and showing up at the company, knowing that not all things are going to go the way we plan. Yeah. There will be a lot of changes in directions. There are a lot of new things. We do not know where we would be in six months. You know, sometimes experiments don't even work in the very first try. So you have to be passionate about what you do. And to me, that passion is that we do want to bring something new for patients that are suffering with cancer. Yeah. You know, uh, there have been tremendous advances in cancer therapies um, through the past several years. The most transformative of them being immuno-oncology-derived therapies, you know, immunotherapy, so to speak, the, whether it's cell therapy, whether it's um, checkpoint inhibitor-like therapies like anti-PD-1, PDL one um, But there is still a big fraction of patients who do not respond to these therapies. So for me, I tell my employees this every single time, that, you know, every time you walk in here, the one driving factor is that, I want to be taking. I want to be working towards a mission where I will be taking something to the clinic for the benefit of patients. And if yeah. you don't have that kind of a drive, this is not the right fit for you. Yeah. Well, that passion is so powerful, and that mission is so great. But it can also be a lot, right? To know that if you don't succeed, or you know, there's the people that are relying on you. There's the patients. How do you also deal with that, where your main driver is the patients, but also feeling that pressure of succeeding for them how do you how do you manage that you know i think failure is a very integral part of our company uh, of our industry i would yeah. say um you know people don't fail you know drugs may fail science doesn't fail yeah. even failures uh failure in science is a step forward in science we've added to the knowledge base and i tell this to my employees you know we obviously place our bets on uh, data and keep making things move forward, but, but the biology can still surprise us. It's complex, it can still surprise us, and we can still fail. Yeah. But look at the advance that we've made. Look at the wealth of knowledge that we've created for others after us to come up and pick up from there and take things forward. So we've added. So, you know, despite failures, we've made forward progression, we've added to the knowledge base that's out there for others to come after us and pick up and take things forward. That's an interesting perspective. So even though if, if you or another company were to quote unquote fail and drop the baton, someone else would pick it up yes. with the learnings from that and take it forward because they figured something else out. Exactly. So that's interesting. Yeah. You know, this is this is the nature of our industry, as right. I said all the time. You know, sometimes the molecules fail, sometimes the targets fail. Yeah. Um, and sometimes management teams. Right. So, yes. Um, it could be the people. Yes. Well, I I don't think that's going to happen here. I think you're on uh, to something big. I would love to hear, as we kind of wrap up, what is the long-term vision? Obviously, you can't make certain promises, but you have a vision of what you want Nova Center to be. What is that? So, you know, we certainly have um, 
we started from scratch. We didn't know what targets we were going to pursue. We totally relied on what uh, these tumors were telling us, what these immune cells in the tumors were telling us. We picked up a few targets that we thought were promising. We tried validating, you know, of course, not everything worked. We nominated three, and out of which we are now working on two, at least from a drug development perspective, and we have human monoclonal antibodies that we're taking forward. So our sole focus, obviously, is on trying to take these, um, these lead programs forward into the clinic um, as fast as we possibly can. You yeah. know, uh, obviously, uh, there are no shortcuts when you're trying to bring something to patients. So we are very meticulous about what we do you know, going forward correctly. But at the same time, you know, we have built this amazing computational platforms within the company um, that have mined so much that which is so much beyond what Nova Center can do. So, you know, we welcome others to come work with us, yeah. look at many other genes and proteins that we pulled out, not just in immune cells and tumor cells, not just, I mean, we are focusing on T cells, there are other cells, and we can also pivot to other diseases from oncology to autoimmune diseases. So there is whole other side of our company, which is sort of hidden, but that's the engine that gave us these three targets that yeah. we've taken forward. And I think that's what's unique yeah. about your team is you're, yeah. it seems like you're very collaborative. Yes. Whether it's internal or with other companies, and that's the nature of the industry, but you're, you seem like a very collaborative, cohesive team is what you've tried to build. So, you know, that is a very interesting thing. You know, we hire a lot of people like young scientists from the academia where where the focus is you want to be the first author, you know, first author yeah. on your paper. Right. You know, you really own your work with a lot of pride. And I was one of them, don't get me wrong. But when you walk into the company, there is no I. You have to leave the I behind. No single person can make any progress in a company. You know, you have to work collectively as teams. You have to break these artificial silos you've created. Even our computational biologists have to talk to the wet lab people constantly to even understand the relevance of what does it mean for genes to go up and down. Yeah. Um, and, and the biologists have to learn to work with them to let them pull out the data and, and see like, you know, how they can guide our processes to be more efficient. But certainly there is no room for I in our company. You know, it has to be we all have to row in the same direction yeah. together with the best possible version of ourselves. And if I picked a theme about you too, it's you're stepping into new roles, taking big risks, right? Or perceived bigger risks. You probably collaborate quite a bit to figure it out. Yes. Because my thought is how, how do you step into all these different new roles? How do you figure it out? But it seems like it's because you collaborate so much. That's how you figure it out. You know, um, new roles, um, has been, uh, if you look at my career trajectory, I have, you know, taken on many new roles. Yeah. So I'm inherently a risk taker. Yeah. You know, I, I don't hold myself back if I see an opportunity that may not be very obvious to someone else. I may not have all the criteria or all, I don't, I may not check every box to get me there, but I think with the right team, you know, I may not know everything with the right team, whether you know, that's a team that works with me immediately or whether that's an extension of my network that I've built over the course of these years, I feel that I can get to the next level, you know. So um, 
no one person can make a difference. I think that we collectively can do way more than we can ever imagine that we could have done. So uh, definitely a diversity of opinions and experiences is a huge plus that I've had the luxury of having. Well, I, I feel like if I met the rest of the Nova Center team, they'd be very similar in the, the collaborativeness yes. and how they think of themselves as a team. So that's pretty unique in the culture that you and the whole team has built. I mean, culture is very important when you're trying to build a company and especially build a company from scratch. Yeah. You know, again, as I said, we have no built-in redundancies. So everybody has to be aligned and working towards the same mission, the same goal. And that is to improve lives of patients with cancer because it continues to be a very significant unmet need despite all these transformative therapies that are out there. Yeah, it's exciting. Well, I'm excited to see what Nova Senta ends up being. I think you're building something pretty incredible. So thank you so much for taking the time to share about Nova Senta and your, your role as the CEO and just appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you, Matt. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to talk about our company that we're building. Absolutely. Thanks, Manny. Thank appreciate you. It.